Welcome to the Bulls Guys Podcast, episode 15. Bulls fans out there, Chicago Bulls fans, Bulls fans around the world. I'm your host, Kenyatta Wright, and this is my co-host, Mr. Greg Love. What's going on? Got a great show today, Greg. We're going to talk about the MVP discussion. Who's the MVP, DeMar or MB? Also, how will the Bulls fare later this month when Alice Caruso and Alonzo Ball get back? We're going to go through the numbers, see how better the team was before they got injured. We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about Zach Levine's knee. He made a comment today that he's been playing injured all along. Plus, uh, we're going to tap into that and his relationship with Billy Donovan. All of that and much more after the break. How do you feel about the Bulls? How would you like to be on our show, The Bulls Guys Podcast, and give your thoughts on the team? Send us your emails at talkingbulls82 at gmail.com, and we'll be glad to have you on. You're listening to the Bulls Guys Podcast, where we talk about your Chicago Bulls and give an unbiased take. Thank you for listening and like and subscribe. All right, back on the Bulls Guys podcast. So, Greg, Embiid and DeMar DeRozan have been lighting it up all year. Both guys have been breaking records by Will Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. DeMar DeRozan uh, had seven straight 30-plus point games. And uh, he also shattered Will Chamberlain's record of six games of average of scoring 35 points while average on a 50% shooting past one Chamberlain with Chamberlain has six. Um, DeMar is currently averaging 28, five and five while Joel Embiid is currently averaging 29, 11 and four. Joel Embiid also had his fair share of breaking some records this year, um, becoming the first 76er to get 38 plus points for four straight games, 38 points and 12 rebounds for four straight games. And he's seventh on the all-time 76ers scoring list for the most 30-point games at at seventh. So both of these guys really lighten it up. We already know DeMar, and he's been carrying the Bulls through this COVID protocol and the injuries. Um, It's a debate up in the air about who's going to win MVP between these two. Uh, For me, um, I feel like DeMar is doing more with less. Uh, you know, he's been taking all the big shots. I feel Joel Embiid has the better coach. He has the better surrounding players around him. Uh, that, you know, and um, DeMar's, just, uh, DeMar's getting... What I found most this, uh, crazy is that they're both tied with 66 steals. And Joel Embiid is a center. So I wouldn't expect him to get 66 steals right along with DeMar. Um, what did you get from the stats between these two guys? Yeah, so, I mean, like you stated the six stats. I looked right at them. And I think going forward, DeMar will end up pulling ahead, right? Like, if we're looking at it neck and neck right now, I think DeMar will be 
ahead by the end of the season and it's basically from what you said in doing more with less um and i think that james harden addition that the sixers made is going to take away from joel and b's case uh for Mm -hmm. mvp like not that zach is a slouch or by any stretch of the imagination Um, But if we, like you said, you look at it, DeMar has been coming up clutch on several different occasions. Um, He did have that crazy streak of 35 plus points and shooting over 50% from the field. Mm -hmm. And if you you look at, you know, with Zach being in and out of the lineup, missing key guys, things like that, DeMar has been stepped up. And for the most of the season when Zach's out, has been their only real legitimate consistent scoring option um so you take all that into account but like i said plus the addition of harden i think demar will pull ahead by the end of the season and i don't want this to come off like a homer take because he's a bull or anything like that but i think like i said to me that addition of harden is what sets it apart really because Zach is playing injured as well whereas Harden's going to come in and he's going to do what he does and it may elevate the team but as far as I I feel like Joel's case for MVP is going to take away from it I think for Joel Embiid's size he's supposed to be doing what he's doing Um, I don't want to try to make it seem like it's easy to do it's not easy to do but we're talking about a guy that's a guard that's shadowing shadowing Will Chamberlain scoring and rebounding records Um, DeMar's just he's just been amazing man Um, so has Joel Embiid you know both of these guys um, neck and neck if you go by points Joel Embiid edges him in points and he edges him in rebounds DeMar edges him in assists per game um, but total assists, uh, they're, 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 uh, no, the tie with steals. But yeah, DeMar has them with steals because I've, I mean, assists because obviously DeMar's handling the ball more. Um, I, I would have to give it to DeMar because the Bulls are, are expected to not really do well based on their circumstances. And for him to carry the team through COVID protocol, playing all these different um, starting lineups. I also don't want to sound like a homer, but I don't, the Sixers only lost one player that was that really mattered, and that was Ben Simmons. And he wasn't really special a part of what they were doing. So when you take that into account, I would have to give it to DeMar. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do think that, you know, Seth Curry was probably he played a larger role in their success than we generally probably give him credit for, but not that he's a piece, the caliber of what Ben Simmons would bring to the table. Right? If we were, if the Sixers were to have not made this move, I would probably lean toward Embiid without, you know, if Simmons didn't play the rest of the season, if it was just Embiid doing what he's doing and putting up the monster numbers that he's putting up, I would probably lean that way. But I think, like I said, with the addition of Harden, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take it away from either guys. Right? He was doing this without Harden, though. That's what I know. That's... I know that's what I'm saying. Like I think with the addition of Harden, it's his burden isn't going to be so large for him to carry, right? Because now you're going to have a legitimate, you know, MVP level player, former MVP next to you, right? Like. As great as Zach is, he's not a formal MVP, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I think you know that that has that has something to be said. And plus, like I said, Zach is 
been in and out of the lineup, has his knee issues, which we'll get into later. Um, plus, if we if we take that out, Vooch has been inconsistent scoring wise and just overall. Kobe mm-hmm. White has been up and down. Io's a rookie; he can give you know he can give you some buckets here and there, but not you know it's not like I'm going to look to Io to give me you know twenty twenty five a night. Mm-hmm. Right? So like. Zach doesn't have another consistent score where, if we're being honest, like, Tobias Harris is not a slouch either. Right. As far as the Sixers have, like, he's kind of gone under the radar for the most part, but, I mean, as far as, if we look at the Bulls' third option and the Sixers' third option now, right, like, they, the Sixers probably have a better third option, right? So, with that being said, that's why I give the edge to DeMar. So in Embiid's um, last eight games, yeah, 23 against the Knicks, 37 against the Knicks. Uh, that game's still going on, I believe, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. So he probably could score more than uh, 23 in this game. But um, for the past, what, four games before this game, he's averaged, he's, he scored more than, more than 30 points. 37 against the Knicks the last game, 34 against the Timberwolves. 36 against what? Oh, that's the All Star game. Well, he had 42 against the Bucks before the All Star break, and he's averaging during that time 24, 34, uh, 43, 54. So he's averaging about what 27, 27 rebounds per game since since that since the since that game uh, before the All Star break against the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, that's 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 crazy, bro. That's crazy, bro, to get all of these points and then average that many rebounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's been playing out of his mind. I'm not. He's been playing very motivated. I think last year, him not getting the MVP may kind of fuel that too. But I think, like I said, this year. Like I said, he's been playing amazing. He's been playing great. Now, but look I- at this, Greg. Um, at Milwaukee Bucks for Joel Embiid on February 17th, three for four from three. Against the Timberwolves on February 25th, three for five from three. Two for three against the Knicks tonight from three. This is a center. This is a center <laughs> shooting threes like this, Greg. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's 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 had a he's worked on the shot. He's had a solid shot, but it's funny though those games, like he always gets up to play against Milwaukee and Giannis. Like that's mm-hmm. that's his thing. And him and Cat had beef, you know, yeah. for a little while. So I mean, those games, you know, I'm sure he kind of has those games marked on his calendar every time they play those teams. All right, so I can see, you know. I, of course, his numbers look great, right? Like, I'm not discounting what he's doing, right? Like, he's playing out of his mind. But, I mean, Jokic was kind of doing some of this stuff last year, too. Like, if we if, if we are kind of being honest, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to diminish what he's doing. But, you know, at the same time, I think, especially looking at where the Bulls were last year and where they are now and the fact that the Bulls are currently ahead of the Sixers in the standings too mm-hmm. which you know I feel like that should also kind of get taken into account especially with all the injuries and COVID right right that's what I'm saying guys in and out of the lineup and when DeMar hasn't been in the lineup it has certainly showed not that you know I mean Embiid was out for a little while and they struggled too um but 
I, I look at it and it's like I said, especially now with Harden, I think if Embiid, let's say Embiid goes down for a couple games, I think mm-hmm. that impact would be a lot less now than it would have, let's say, you know, before the All-Star break. Whereas if DeMar goes down, we know like the Bulls would definitely be in a lot of trouble. Well, in DeMar's past five games, he had 41 against the Kings on the 17th. That's the game I believe he tied Michael Jordan or passed him for uh, most 35-point games, straight uh, most 35-straight-point uh, games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 35 against the Spurs. Against the Thunder, he had 40. Against the Timberwolves, he had 38. Against the Hornets, he had 38. It's uh, what's being really highlighted is these guys are really scoring in the 30s and 40s. Both of these two guys, um, Demar has six assists against the Kings, seven assists against the Spurs, five against the Thunder, six against the Timberwolves, and four against the Hornets. Now I could tell you this: I am surprised that he uh, with the assists because at the beginning of the year I just thought of Demar as a ball hog and. I just felt like he wasn't passing the ball enough, but the average five assists per game, along with 28 points and five rebounds, that's well-rounded, you know? And um, that that's, that, that, that gives you a strong case for MVP, nearly averaging 30 for the, for the year. Um, you, can, you can't go bad with either guy, you know, yeah. to, to select for MVP. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And... I know we've been talking. We've been talking about Joel and Demar, and people are trying to bring John to this conversation too as well. But I think you know, if we're like I said, if we're looking at the season in totality so far. Uh-huh. I would give the edge to Demar, especially like this has been consistent. Like how the Bulls started and how well he's been playing fairly consistently. Um, I think that that. Um, was a huge kind of indicator right like we didn't we didn't expect this resurgence for one out of Debar, who everybody had kind of written off when he was down there in san antonio but for a majority of the season he's been the bulls leading scorer just I, looking at looking at it i want to say probably about at least 70 percent of the time he's been the leading scorer Ja ain't no slouch, man. Ja averaging 27, 5, and 6. Six yes. assists, total rebounds, 5.9. Um, he beats DeMar in both of those categories, everything except for the points, 27.6. Shooting 49% from the field, 34% from three, 75% from the free throw line. Um, listen, if you had a third wheel, I think Ja would be in there. I don't, I don't think his numbers is too shabby compared to those two guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, uh, and his team is winning a lot. Yeah, yeah, these teams. Yeah, yeah, they're third, they're third in the West. Uh, and you know, I think when we look at it, right, like the the way I kind of look at, okay, who's going to be your MVP? Is if we pluck them off the team as they're currently constructed, how well do we think that they would do? Right, like if you pluck and beat off, right, with Harden, would the would the Sixers still be a playoff team? Well, the Sixers were winning and holding up when Embiid was out. I mean, like I'm saying, especially with Harden, would the Sixers still be a playoff team? Probably. Mm-hmm. Would the Bulls be a playoff team? We would like, if we're being honest, we'd like to think so. No, they wouldn't but be. If, we, if last year is any indication, because it's kind of almost, it's, well, it's not exactly the same thing, but if last year is any indication, probably not. Or if they would, they would definitely be a play-in team. 
Mm-hmm. If you take Ja from Memphis, are they a playoff team? Uh, possibly. They still they're still pretty talented with Jaron Jackson Jr. down there. Like they still have a lot of talent around. Like yeah. you know, like I said, the Bulls are currently constructed constructed with a hop of Zach with the inconsistent food and consistent Kobe. Iowa as a rookie is those are kind of being your leaders with Lonzo out, Caruso out, Pat Williams out. If we if we look at Demar and how he's playing, like he's been really holding them up. Uh, if we're being honest, so mm-hmm. again, that's that's why at least for me, I'm kind of leaning towards Demar. And of course, this could this this could always change, you know, as we get to the end of the season, see how it shakes out. But at least right now, that's where my mind is at. Yeah, but you know, there's some other couple guys that's also responsible for us having that record. And we're going to talk about them when we get back. Would the Bulls have been light years ahead in the East if they had Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso? Their defensive stats says a lot. We're going to talk about it when we get back. You're listening to the Bulls Guys Podcast, where we talk about your Chicago Bulls and give an unbiased take. Thank you for listening and like and subscribe. All right, back on the Bulls Guys podcast. So, Greg, the Bulls have been falling by the wayside ever since Alex Caruso went down on December 20th. Team was rolling. They were 16 and 10 with Alex Caruso in the lineup. And without him in the lineup, the Bulls started to struggle uh, around January. Uh, beginning around that Nets game, Nets Warriors back to back, and um, ever since that that Brooklyn game, they just been falling to the wayside. The defense had fallen from seventh in, in defensive ranking in the league to sixteenth currently, and um, they're, they're losing twenty one points per game between two between both uh, Alice Caruso and Lonzo Ball, twenty one point four points per game. Seven assists per game between the two of them, 9.3 rebounds per game. I mean, having these two in the lineup, Greg, they're able to pressure the guards, you know, in the open court and the half court. They're able to get a lot of steals. They're able to get a lot of fast break points. They're able to get a lot of hustle points. Losing these two guys, do you think that it has affected the Bulls? Do you think that it much is being too much overplayed about these two not being there. Do you think the Bulls should still be successful without these two guys um, in reference to the numbers? I think that both of these guys definitely have a major impact, especially defensively. Um, I do, however, think that they should still be able to maintain without them. Um do I expect a drop off defensively? Yeah. I mean, Lonzo's one of the, you know, one of your best perimeter defenders. And so is Caruso, um, especially in the way that the game is played now, right? Like a lot of the focus is on the perimeter and perimeter players. Mm-hmm. So I get the impact that it makes. But, you know, just as we discussed yesterday, a lot of it too is about effort, right? Like you can't just have one guy out there hustling, mm-hmm. right? So, I, I do think it really is up to other guys to step up, but their impact is definitely felt. I I would hope that when they come back that they can right the ship. Mm-hmm. 
But I also don't think it's such a good thing that you are so dependent upon Caruso or so dependent upon Lonzo for your entire team defense. I like you should be able to function without them. Like, will you be as good as you were? No, I expect to drop off. But should you, you know, go from, you know, top or, you know, towards the top of the league to the middle of the pack towards the towards the back of the pack no i don't think it should be that significant a drop off right like maybe maybe you, let's say you drop five spots max right mm-hmm. like i think that's a fair kind of expected drop but yeah the way the way that they're playing like that that isn't something effort isn't a caruso fix right like caruso can't force you know Demar and Zach and some of these other guys, Vooch to get in the players right. Like with Caruso on the foot, it doesn't make a difference. He can't play defense on everybody. Yeah, and he's he's trying he's trying to coach on the floor. Um, I, I'm gonna tell you this, Greg. I like when he runs the point because it seems like he's an extension of the coach on the floor. He makes the right plays. He doesn't force anything. He plays better at the point guard than Lonzo Ball, in my opinion. Lonzo Ball. Is, has been a very a, much a disappointment for me. I thought he would come over here and be that floor general that I've always been waiting for. And he hasn't been that bad. You know, Lonzo's doing pretty good, you know, at the point. But I just would like him to pass a lot more, and then he takes a lot of ill-advised shots. Even though his shot has improved, he needs to work on his shot selection. Um, I just like Alex Caruso with the ball in his hands. I just like him on the floor with any lineup, with the bench or the starters. Because this seems like that veteran, uh, you know, experience that he has 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 bleeded into the into the Bulls roster, where you know he just knows how to play. You know, you could just look at him and tell that he's an NBA champion, that he's been in the in the playoff wars. He just knows what to do, and he's our most valuable asset on the team. But when you talk about Lonzo Ball, um, I think he has a lot to learn. I think he's still young. I think he has the intangibles to be way more effective than Alex Caruso, um, averaging 13 points per game. Um, he has the height, you know, to see over the defense, to be a floor general, to see see where his teammates are to make the correct pass, to make those long passes. Um, listen, both of these guys I think are important because we don't have any defensive pressure coming from our, our backcourt. Um, Ayo is, is fairly young. I think he's still young. I think he has the ability to be – man, the way he guarded uh, against um, uh, Trey Young the other night, I thought that was brilliant. You know, but then he had that fall off against Ja, and I'm like, you know, maybe he needs a little bit more, you know, experience, you know. But I think he's coming along, but he's still kind of young. He's still kind of raw. Kobe White, we already know the story with Kobe White. He can't guard a fly. You know what I'm saying? So – and it's not – I don't know if it's on purpose or he just doesn't want to play defense or he just doesn't know how. But Kobe is not a good defensive guard. So we need these two guys back because we're lacking that defensive pressure, you know, to, for when these guards bring the ball up. You need that pressure. You know, you need those steals. You need to throw their ball handler offsides a little bit and get them a little confused, a little bit shaky, a little bit rattled so he start turning the ball over. You know, you need that energy from these guys, man. And the Bulls are just letting these teams walk the ball up they're letting these teams run pick and roll against them constantly. Um, I think Alice Caruso and Lonzo Ball also, also did re- well on the pick and roll. Um, it's, it's they're priceless guys, you know. what I'm saying they're not the, the highest scorers in the team, but they do those little things that you don't really see in the stat sheet all the time. And I think we need them. 
And um, Lonzo Ball, I know he has like three more weeks left. They said that he uh, he had surgery on his meniscus. And there was a, uh, what, a, a Twitter video or a video on Twitter um, of him uh, dancing around with his daughter. So Lonzo Ball, it looks to seem to be okay. But, you know, they said, you know, during the report, it was a week after that time that he would begin his six weeks. And that would put him way along the line of uh, March, the third week of March, he'd be back. Caruso has been practicing with the team. He took the cast off of his wrist. And I've seen a video with him dribbling with both hands. He seemed to be pretty, pretty well, pretty well healthy. Um, flicking his wrist, flicking both wrists so it doesn't he doesn't show any kinds of signs of injury or nagging, you know, in his wrist or either side. Um, he seems like he's he's ready to go. I I, I predict that these guys are gonna be back, you know, by the time um April hits. Um Patrick Williams, that they're, they're, they're taking their time with him. We already talked about him, and they're waiting for him to take uh, full contact, but they're not ready for it yet. Um I don't I don't I don't know if I think Patrick Williams will be back before Alonzo. People don't understand when you have a knee injury, you can't rush that. And you when you have a knee surgery, you can't you definitely can't rush that process. So I think Pat and and, Lon, and Alex will be back before Alonzo. Yeah, so I mean from what I've been reading, um they just said you know, Lonzo's been ramping up his running. According to Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, but they, yeah, basically what you said, you know, they said that he's getting ready to be in that six to eight week timeline that they said before he's at week five right now, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back, you know, close to six weeks. Like there'll probably be more eight weeks or so. So we're talking yeah. about the first round of the playoffs or whatever. Yeah, so it looks like it'll probably be closer to that. But still, like you said, another about another three weeks. Right? Yeah, man, when you have an injury in the middle, I mean, when you, not an injury, I keep saying injury. When you have a surgery in the middle of the season, you can't rush that, man. You can't rush that. It's all about the play and the rehab, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then, like like you said, with Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso, from what I've read or the reports, um, basically the thing with both of them is they want – to have them both strengthen their wrists a little bit more before they even start kind of getting back into contact practices and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know Caruso said they're probably looking at another couple weeks and seeing where he's at. Probably the same thing with Patrick Williams looking at another few weeks uh, to make sure that, that you know, the, the wrists are really good and able to handle contact. Um, so, yeah, probably – Ideally, we would look at them all coming back around the same time. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I don't think that's going to be the case. I probably foresee, like, honestly, Caruso coming back first mm-hmm. and then the other two coming back, you know, after that. But, you know, even, you know, speaking about this, when Patrick comes back, like, you just have to find out where he fits in this lineup, right? Like, at least with Lonzo and, you know, Alex, they've they've been playing and even though they've both been in and out of the lineup at different times, but they've played more than Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams has been out since the fifth game of the season. Yeah. All right. So when he comes back, you know, this was something that a reporter asked Billy Donovan is like, well, what do you do? Does he immediately start again? Does he come off the bench? And, you know, Billy Donovan's answer was 
kind of no answer really. It was just, oh, I'm not opposed to starting him. I'm not opposed to bringing him off the bench. It all depends on if he has a minutes restriction or whatever. So it was really no answer. But that that is, you know, something that he's going to have to figure out because you, we know when Lonzo comes back, he's going to start. We know when Caruso comes back, he's going to be coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But like Patrick, like what, like what do you do? Because then there's also that chemistry. Like he hasn't been in the lineup. Not that I mean he's been traveling with the team and everything, and he's still stayed active and engaged in the same way Caruso but he's not on the floor so whatever chemistry these guys are building right now you have Patrick when he comes back how how does he fit in what do we do with that and I look at it like okay it's kind of a good problem to have but it's still a problem it matters man because Alex is averaging 8.4 points per game total rebounds 3.9 assists 3.9 Lonzo's averaging 13 5 and 5 5.4 5.4 rebounds per game, 5.1 assists per game. I mean, come on, man. You can't you can't ignore those kind of numbers. Like, those numbers, the Bulls need those numbers right now. They need those. You know what I'm saying? But Pat, Pat's stats is not really that much because he didn't really play this year. I think he's averaging around like six points per game. So uh, Pat's stats is not really a big deal. Well, I, I, I look at past that. Six, not necessarily. 6-1.6 assists per game. He hasn't done anything. Only well, played five games. I'm I'm looking at his his impact, what it will be defensively. Uh, like last year, you know, he was the guy that they put on, you know, Durant and Giannis and everybody. Mm-hmm. And we already have Javante, right? Like, so what does, when Pat comes back, what, what, what happens with Javante? What happens to his minutes? I would I wouldn't rush Pat along. I, I would and, and Billy Donovan even said that in an interview. He said he's open to playing Pat off the bench. You know, he's not really like gonna rush him to start, and he said he probably would even start him. It all would depend on how Pat looks when he returns. But me personally, I would I would pick, bring him off the bench. I wouldn't just throw him in a start a lineup. Kendall Gill was saying he would do that. I don't think that's a smart move. I wouldn't throw this kid right in the middle of the fire in the middle of the playoffs, like, and he's just coming back. That'll be like, what, a Michael Jordan type thing, but it will be 10 times worse when Michael Jordan came back in, in March. And it just so happens these guys are coming back in March as well. What a coincidence. But I, w- I wouldn't do it. Bringing him off the bench, bringing him along slowly. First of all, let's just put it like this, Greg. I, I wouldn't have started him from the jump. I thought they rushed this kid into the starting lineup too fast. I mean, they played him in the starting lineup his first, very first year. And I thought that they should have, you know, took him along slowly. You know what I mean? But this kid had a lot of pressure on him early on as a starter. And I, I told everybody, he's not a starter. First of all, you start him at power forward, I think he's a small forward. You know, so it, it goes back to what I always say, Greg. They got to play guys at the right at their rightfully rightful position. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing with any of that. I, but I understand I, your point. You saying, you know, um, as far as like him starting or not, I wouldn't start him. I'm uh, just. I'm just saying what. Like what. What do you do? I'm not. I'm not saying start him or not. But I do think that it's going to be important, basically, for them to come a decision. Like I agree. I, me personally, I wouldn't start him coming back off an of injury like that, especially with him basically missing the entire season as well. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start him right off the bat. Like I would bring him off the bench and let him kind of uh, build up his confidence too, coming off mm-hmm. the bench and playing against some of the twos. But 
I I also think, you know, like I said, like he does offer you this defensive versatility because you can also, you know, throw him like if you're, you know, throw another body at Durant, throw another body at Giannis, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I think there's that as well. So really at the end of the day, if we're looking at it, does it really matter if you start or come off the bench, right? Like if he's playing 31 minutes, does it matter if he started or not? Right? Like not that he will, but I'm just saying. Does it matter? Like it is the way I look at it is okay. If we're not expecting a lot from him offensively, what are you going to offer me defensively? All right, because that you know if that's the need I'm going to have for you on the floor, cool. Like you got you got to give me something because if you're not giving me nothing, I already got you know I've had Javante this entire season, so I know what he's going to give me. Right now, you're a little bit of an unknown because yeah, you had you had flashes last year of how well you look defensively and offensively to a certain extent. Right. So I kind of know that, but I don't know if you're going to be able to do that consistently, but at least I know from the very least this year, what I'm going to get from Javante, you know, and by that time, what I'm going to get from Tristan Thompson, what I'm going to get from Derek Jones jr. Right. Like I know what I'm going to get from these guys because they've been playing all year. Well, here's the thing, Greg, I'm going to take your point and what you're saying, and I'm going to connect it to what I'm trying to say. Pat will be fine. How will he be fine, Greg? You got to start him at his rightful position. Start him at small forward or put him behind um, DeMar because DeMar is at small forward. Bring him off the bench behind DeMar. Gradually bring him along. You never know. He might start to develop into a power forward playing behind DeMar, and we might be able to put him at the power forward then. But you brought in Tristan Thompson. You got Vooch. So you have your two bigs right there, right? Now I'm hearing that they're trying to get Robin Lopez. Personally, I would go grab Robin Lopez. I would. Because Bradley is not a serviceable backup for, for Vooch. I don't like Bradley in the game, and I'm not going to want him in there and come playoffs because I don't think he's the type of player that could be in there in playoffs and come up with some key plays for us. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's in the NBA for a reason, but he's not a guy that I would want on the floor in the rotation come playoffs. So you have to go get Robin Lopez. And now when you have Robin Lopez, Tristan Thompson, and Vooch, as your three major bigs, now you can move Javante around too. You can move Javante even to shooting guard, you know, to, to be that third wheel. I don't know if you want him to be a third wheel because we kind of need him on the floor a lot more. I don't know how you're going to shuffle that with Kobe, Zach, and 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 and, and Javante Green. But I just want our, 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 our size to take over the four and the five, um, um, Greg. And I don't know how Billy is going to do that now that he's implemented Javante into a major piece of what we do. But Javante's undersized. So we have this dilemma now with Pat coming back. Now with his, now I see what you're saying, Greg. Now I see what you're saying. It's, it's just, it gets confusing. But me, the number one answer would be to play the big guys that have the size. Javante's mm-hmm. undersized. Yeah. I have a feeling that's not going to happen. I feel like, honestly, from what Billy Donovan has shown me this year, I feel like he's going to still use Patrick Williams at the four. Maybe maybe he plays Javante and Patrick Williams at the same time, puts Javante at the three and Patrick Williams at the four. But I think he's he's going to use this as more ammunition to play his small ball. That's just the gut feeling I have. I hope I'm wrong. I could be wrong. but Because I, I, I agree with you. I think especially when you're playing these teams with size, like you know, you may come across playing a Miami, playing a Milwaukee, because Milwaukee also eventually get Brooke Lopez back, so they will get size again. Like if you're playing these teams, like playing a Memphis where it shows up, these teams with size, I feel like you're going to need size too. And, I mean, you don't necessarily need a scoring punch from these guys because you got Zach and you got DeMar. 
I like you got Kobe coming off the bench. You got Io, right? Like you have scoring. That's not an issue. You need, you know, I mean, you got Vooch too. You you need defense, um, and you need size to be able to defend more effectively because honestly, we're getting killed. We're getting killed in points in the paint. Like that's the mm-hmm. thing. We're opponent points in the paint for us is forty nine point three points per game. Right, like that's not that's not a winning recipe for success, you know, to just have people be able to feast in the paint. And part of that is because you're undersized. Not, you know, not some of it's not all effort. Like I said, like with Javante, he's six four, right? Like if you're playing power forward and you're going up against Jaron Jackson Jr., who's, you know, six ten, you can play as hard as you want, but eventually, you know, that size is what's gonna do you in. So I agree with you in needing to play these bigs. Yeah, um, when we come back, we're going to go into our last segment. We're going to be talking about Zach Levine. Um, There's an interesting article that came out today that stated he'd been playing hurt the whole time. We're going to get into that right after this break. You want the most uncensored and unbiased podcast? The Bulls Guys Podcast, as only Kenyatta Wright and Greg Love can bring it to you. Follow us on Anchor, YouTube, and all social media platforms. And use your support. How do you feel about the Bulls? How would you like to be on our show, The Bulls Guys Podcast, and give your thoughts on the team? Send us your emails at talkingbulls82 at gmail.com and we'll be glad to have you on. Thanks for tuning in to the Bulls Guys Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us for unbiased and unfiltered opinion on your Chicago Bulls. That's the Bulls Guys Podcast. All right, we're back on the Bulls Guys Podcast. Greg, I'm going to let you dive right into the topic of Zach Levine. Yeah, so in the article from Clutch Points, basically what Zach was saying was that his knee isn't 100% and is not going to be 100% for the rest of the season. He's playing through the pain. He's going to play through it, especially given the season that they're having, and he feels motivated to try to play through it. Now, I have two thoughts with this. One thought is that's great. You know, let's see how far we could take this. I hope that, you know, you don't do any further damage, right? Like in trying to play through this, I would question, okay, like, is it that you just need to sit for a spell or whatever? Like would that help or whatever, right? Like, are you going to do some type of Kawhi load management or, you know, what, whatever, whatever is going to happen with that. My other thought was, and this is ironic because he just came back, was Isaiah Thomas. And with the Celtics, how he just you know, rode his hip to that thing just, you know, fell off Mm -hmm. and then ended up, you know, getting dumped. And not that the Bulls would do that, but, I mean, he hasn't been the same player since. So, you know, looking at the bigger picture, right, like, is this going to be something that is going to affect him long-term as far as his injury? And I I guess I look at it like, is he hurt or is he injured? Because those are two different things, right? Like, you know, I look at it as like you can play hurt because usually, you know, at some point everybody's kind of hurt, right? Like 
yeah. have some type of nagging thing going on. But if you're injured, that's something different, right? Like if you're injured, I feel like you should sit. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, we don't like I don't know the specifics or the real extent of the injury. All he said, he's not 100 percent. It's not like he actually gave a percentage. Like, are you are you 50 percent or like, are you 75 percent? Like, what is it? I think that is important to try to figure out, too. Well, let's just be honest with ourselves. The only reason why and I hate to say this, but I feel like the only reason why he's going to push himself through this injury, Greg, contract. He has to convince other teams, you know, to up their ante so he gets his, his his super max contract this year. And listen, man, it's business at the end of the day. I get it, you know, but I, I don't like when he said, well, I'm not saying that he's lying, but I mm-hmm. think it has more to do with his contract. Yeah, he does want to ball out for his team. We're having a good season. But I think he's kind of thinking of himself, too. Like, you know, he has to up the ante. He has to continue to play. You don't want to like appear to be damaged goods going into the off season where you're vowing for a new a super max contract, you know? And he wants to get the highest bids, get that bid up there. Like when you throw something out there for auction, Greg, you want people to keep on bidding and bidding and bidding and they go higher and higher and higher. More money in your pocket. So I feel like he wants to keep on balling, keep on showcasing his skills. So at the end of the season, you know, teams are going to vie for him. Yeah, I can see that angle. I, I, I do think there is a, a certain level of, you know, self-preservation with that. But I, I'll say this. I, I think that at the very least, even if he shut it down for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. he was he would be able to get the max contract. Like like you said, like now we're talking about really the difference between a max and a super max at this point. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think he has to get all NBA to get that extra thirty million. I heard. Yeah, yeah, he does, Um, because he already basically unlocked one portion of it in making the All Star team. So really, to get the supermax, he has, like you said, he has to make all NBA. Mm -hmm. So if he's playing for that, you know, we kind of got to we kind of got to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think especially for somebody who's you know tore up his knee before. I think he would be very cognizant if this would be a long-term type of issue or potentially risking a long-term injury to where he's going to compromise himself. Cause I'm sure like if we're being honest, right, let's, like I said, if he shuts it down, he could still get a max contract from somebody like they, I'm sure there would be teams willing to pay him. I think, you know, like the Kings would probably be a team, maybe like New Orleans or something like that. There would still be teams willing to throw money at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like you said, like maybe that the super max does play into it that he could be missing on the thirty mil, you know. But if he stays with the Bulls, he might not necessarily get the super max anyway. I like for being honest. So we'll just have to see, you know, how he plays go for going forward. I think if it's a case where he is just obviously injured and just at the point where he's hurting the team, you got to sit him. Like even if it's resting him for a few weeks or whatever. Right, like to try to have him for a playoff push if that's what you want to do, cool. But you know, if he's if he's still able to put up, you know, say twenty five points a game, we're still able to play pretty well, right? Like I I would let him play through it if he thinks he can. But the biggest thing that I, I focus on out of all of this, Greg, is that um maybe that's the reason why he was sitting back and letting Demar take charge because he knew he wasn't 100%, you know? How long has this been going on, you know? He already sat out twice on two different occasions for this knee issue, and he hasn't really said anything until right now. 
Yeah, he says since the Warriors game, really. Yeah. Like, if you look at the Warriors game, then that's kind of when. Um, so, I mean, like, like you said, we don't know the real extent of it, right? Like, cause like I said, he never really gave a number to what his knee actually is. We just mm-hmm. know that it's not a hundred percent, right? Like it could be 99% for all we know, which mm-hmm. he wouldn't be lying, right? It's not a hundred percent, but I mean, if it's 99%, sure, go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we kind of don't know what it is. Like that would be, I guess, very helpful. And I'm sure he's in contact with, you know, the Bulls training staff and everything about how his knee feels. I would just try to see going forward if it's a case. I think if it's a case where he's going to end up having to get his knee drained again or if this is going to be a thing, then you'll probably see them being a lot more cautious and trying to give him the Kawhi treatment if he wants to continue to play. Man, um, Milwaukee and Miami is going to blows, man, back and forth, man, right now, 119 to 118 with 35, 13 seconds, excuse me, in this game. Um. I got it on as I'm doing the podcast with the volume turned all the way down. But I'm seeing them go back and forth, man. Um, I just wish the Bulls would have been going back and forth with Miami like that. But we'll get another chance. We got them one more game in, in, in Chicago, but they won the season series. So we would have to have an overwhelmingly better record than theirs at the end of the year to get that that number one seed over Miami, Greg. But um, I, I like the fact now, I like the idea more of DeMar taking charge. And now I know specifically that Zach Levine wouldn't have a problem with him doing that because he can't take it all on himself and need to, you know, pace himself a little bit, you know? Um, Cause I, I can't have this kid getting seriously injured, man. I can't have him getting seriously injured. Um, might even Billy Donovan could even like, you know, we're playing against bad teams, sit them out. I don't even think we have that many bad teams left on the schedule, but in games that you know that we can win with what we got without him, I would sit him, Greg. You know, every little bit will help. Yeah. Honestly, I I would think once Lonzo comes back and he's good, you might you might start to see that a little bit more. You see Zach playing less minutes and taking less of a load. And like you said, possibly sitting out some games. So we'll we'll kind of see how it goes and again the position that the Bulls are in too. Right. All right, fans, thank you for joining us. Um, we had to dive into all of this information uh, as Bulls, as the Bulls guys try to bring you the most updated news. Um, all of this news uh, kind of dropped in our lap today, and we wanted to get it out to you fresh out of the press. And hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Also, like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Follow, follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, follow us also on Spotify and the Anchor app, the home of the Bulls Guys podcast. Follow Greg on Greg Love at G Love nineteen eighty nine. And please share us with your friends, family, that one dude who you see walking a dog all the time. <laughs> please just <laughs> share us, get our name out there, so we can continue to give you great content and give others great content. You know, move out to move up to bigger and better things, and having a wider audience. And thank you for sticking with us and being loyal. Also, leave your comments below on everything that we spoke about. We would love to hear your feedback as fans or all the topics that we discussed today. And thank you for joining us once again. Good night, Chicago. Good night, Bulls fans around the world. Until the next show, we give you another round. 
and episode 16. Hopefully, Oli will be here for that episode. Good night. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. <laughs>